Hey, welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Coming this Tuesday is the Ringer's third annual NBA Palooza, celebrating the tip-off of the 2019-2020 NBA season. Make sure you're subscribed to the Ringer's YouTube channel so you don't miss our day-long live stream, including the premiere of the new season of NBA Desktop, the fourth installment of our Take Hunter series with a surprise twist, the unveiling of the Bill Simmons' Lakers wine bottle team, and a live Ryan Russillo podcast to go along with so much more. Again, you can check all that out at youtube.com slash the ringer. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lunt. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening, you're listening to this. You're YouTube. listening to and you are listening to the you're listening, listening, you're listening to you're listening to the Mask Man the Show. Man the Mask Man Show. The Mask Man Show. The Mask Man Show. Welcome to the Mask Man Show host david shoemaker we got real life kaz kazim's coming up he's one of the best former wwe writer producer and uh all-around awesome fellow we're going to talk about crown jewel a little bit in advance we're going to talk about smackdown and, and how they're doing we're going to talk about how to make a new star mentioning such names as darby allen humberto carrillo shorty g and of course the street profits and that baby that the street profits held there's a lot of stuff we're going to talk about this week, and I don't want to bog it down too much or slow down the process, but before we get going, I do want to cold open with a little bit of discussion about this what chant. Now, there was a little bit of controversy this week because the official WWE on Fox Twitter account tweeted out, Dear WWE Universe, can we stop the what chant? It's no longer 2001 XOXO. That Twitter account, by the way, has been amazing and hilarious and is one of the best things about pro wrestling right now, so... No hate on them, but they took the tweet down, and that made the controversy even worse. They hopped onto Reddit. I mean, whoever runs that account, I apparently hopped onto Reddit and said, yeah, we took it down. We still stand by what we said. It's a bad chant, especially when people use it in appropriate times, such as Angelo Dawkins' emotional NXT farewell or during a Hall of Fame ceremony, for example. We just tweeted it during the wrong moment. Attention should have been on Raw, not a snarky tweet from us. We deleted it and moved on. Listen, I think they did the right thing. Probably would have made a little bit less noise if they just hadn't deleted it. But sometimes, you know, you tweet things in the spur of the moment and you just got to delete them. That's the that's the quickest way for it to get, you know, let it get lost to history. So no one's yelling about it in a week or a month or a year. And I don't think it mattered enough to really take it down, but but whatever. But listen, it's true. I got to tell you, the anonymous WWE on Fox Twitter account has it exactly right. I've said this a million times before. Chanting is fun. Going to wrestling events and being part of this like gigantic arena-sized organism, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Kevin Smith was talking about this after he went to AEW. He did an interview on, uh, I forgot what show he was on, but he did an interview. He was like, there's nothing like it. There's, it's better than a football game, better than a basketball game because you're actually so invested. The, the, the crowd is so invested in the, pro- in the product. They're part of the show. They're part of the presentation. And we all have been there. Most of us wrestling fans, hopefully, have been there, have gotten the opportunity to do that. And I've said it before, but if you get the opportunity to go to a house show, you got to do it there too because, man, 
is how shows you're really part of something special. But you go to these big live TV shows and the cameras are on, you want to be a part of everything, you got to chant. And then so often, especially with the, the big shows, with all the smart marks like me, the big shows can devolve into these sort of like postmodern ironic chants. Randy Savage, CM Punk. Now it's AEW. I guess that's not really ironic. It's, you know, change the channel. But the what chant is just the worst of the worst because it's not even like ironic. It's not even smart on another level. This is, it's a chant that, it's the wave. That's all it is. It's the wave coming out of your mouth except somehow more irritating. It's a thing that like you, somebody does and you can't help yourself because of some Pavlovian caveman part of your brain, you can't help yourself but to join in. Maybe this is the time to, you know, practice a little self-restraint or work on a little introspection. Figure out how to, how to have this sort of self-restraint. If someone's doing something terrible, you know, something you really disagree with, if Vince McMahon comes out to the ring and, you know, decides to give a 20-minute monologue on how he's right and all you guys are wrong and it's totally a shoot. Okay, you can start wetting him halfway through. Uh, I'm sure there's other examples of things that deserve it, but maybe for the sake of all of us watching at home and for the sake of just our general wrestling fan sanity, it's probably time to put the wet chant to bed. It's not 2001 anymore. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin would probably go back. I bet if he went, could go back in time and get rid of it, he'd probably do it. It's not 2001 anymore. It's a long, long time past that. Most of the people chanting what probably weren't even watching wrestling in 2001. Just imagine how it would be if you were trying to talk and someone was yelling. Well, I'm just kidding. I mean, do think about that, but that's a bad example. Bad faith. Just be a nice person. Like my buddy Brian Curtis said in the last episode of the Press Box, which you can subscribe to. You should. You should. Just don't be an asshole. Chanting what kind of makes you an asshole. Maybe that's gone too far. Anyway, that's all I got to say about what for right now. On with the show. And now I am joined by my good friend, Kazim Famuide, a.k.a. Kaz, a.k.a. Real Life Kaz. You're not even tweeting anymore, though, right? Are you still tweeting? No, I am tweeting. I see this is the, this is the jig. I got I changed my name to just Kazim now. So oh, got, it's I at Kazim. Is it so, so? Nobody else is squatting on your old handle. That's what I was trying to check out. All right. Well, that makes sense. Uh, okay. I was I was hoping somebody would have would have tried to take it and just like say some wild stuff pretending to be me. That should have been great. <laughs> <laughs> when I changed to my real name, I at the you know the first for, forever I was AKA the Masked Man, and then changed to my real name, and uh, it my 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 boss and dear friend Bill Simmons kind of like pulled a string to make that happen, but it happened yeah. while we were like literally it was the day of WrestleMania. We were just hanging out, and he was like, "Wait, you don't have your real name?" And he like sent an email and made it happen, and they changed it as I was walking into WrestleMania. And I looked at my phone, the last phone, the last tweet, uh, like, ads I saw before I lost all service because I was in a football stadium were people saying, hey, uh, you changed your handle. And then by the time I got out, some other dude was tweeting from my old account, just like some wild stuff because <laughs> it just disappeared. Um, but well, not for nothing, it's okay. AKA the Masked Man is a, is a pretty sweet name, so I can understand why somebody would try to snatch that up immediately and talk out of your name. <laughs> Um, well, listen, uh, I, I know there's a lot of basketball content. I know the NBA starts today, so both of our lives are about to get a whole lot more complicated. Um, extremely, extremely. Uh, 
Hopefully. <laughs> but, but before before you were lost to the, you know the world of the NBA season, I wanted to get your take on what's going on in WWE and AEW and NXT, all this stuff right now. Uh, as with last week, for those who listen to the show, we're going to try to keep things a little bit contained and not just endlessly rehash everything that's happened. So, three big topics of conversation this week. The main event, which we'll get to last, is how to make a new star. I, you can probably guess what matches we're going to be talking about in there. We're going to run over Crown Jewel, but first things first. We got to talk about the state of SmackDown, and specifically, I want to look at the main event from last week. Uh, it was a carryover from the show opener. It was Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan versus Shinsuke Nakamura and King Corbin. I got to tell you off the top, these are four of my favorite wrestlers. But yeah, I think I think I ha- when you're watching that match, I think it would have been natural to look and, and just ask yourself, at least rhetorically, is this enough star power? Like, is this what we thought we were getting? We were thinking when, when we were imagining a brave new era of pro wrestling on Friday nights on Fox. Um, obviously, there's more guys on the show. We, there's probably going to be more crossover in the future. But like, uh, is that is, is this it? Is it is that the, is this the biggest look? Is Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan going to carry this franchise into the future? I mean, uh, off the top of my head, I think. John Cena said it best right now, man. Like, there's really no one guy that's supposed to carry the entire show anymore. I think, you know, we're kind of at that point, especially when it comes to WWE, that, you know, you're going to need more. It's it's supposed to be more of a team effort, especially when it comes to SmackDown, especially, like, the history of SmackDown, when the times when the show was doing its best, when it was, like, an ensemble cast, like the SmackDown 6, when, you know, you had guys like Edge and, and Batista and Brock and and Punk and Hardy and, and Rey Mysterio and those guys kind of carrying the show. So, um, I mean, I think they're definitely superstars. I definitely think those are guys that are uh, top-of-the-line guys. You can't find two more famous active pro wrestlers than Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. But, um, I mean, that was kind of my worry at first when it came to bringing SmackDown the Fox because, granted, that first episode kind of pop a huge rating. You got The Rock on the show. You got Stone Cold Steve Austin doing the intro. You got all the biggest stars there, but at the end of the day, you got to make these current stars those next big stars. So, um, I mean, I obviously do think that they'll, they'll have enough to carry this show uh, going into the future, but, you know, we're, we're wrestling fans, and we need instant gratification immediately, and they got to build something there. They got to build those pillars of the, of the company and of especially SmackDown. So, I like that they're going back into the babyface Daniel Bryan bag. I think that's a bag that always works. I think that's something mm-hmm. that, you know, is 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 always going to be something that people are going to be um, attracted to. And I've, said, and I've sung his praises all year. I think Baron Corbin is doing the best heel work of anybody in pro wrestling. And uh, he's just a guy who's, you know, aside from being a, a really fun person to not like, He's shown that he can wrestle his ass off, and he's yep. one of the you know more complete uh, you know wrestlers in the company, man. So uh, yeah, really do enjoy it. Uh, I mean, I think it's definitely gonna. I think it's definitely going to take a little bit more as far as like an ensemble cast, but I don't think it's just gonna be one or two guys carrying the entire show. So one of the things you alluded to this that they're gonna that they have trouble with all wrestling promotions have trouble with this, but it's how to like make a successful heel in the modern day, right? I mean, you, to, to have somebody who's like over enough to headline a show as a heel, but not but not getting cheered. Or I mean, you can get you know you can be popular, but but to really be able to work as a heel, to be able to go up against Roman Reigns and put and put somebody like Roman Reigns or Daniel Bryan and make them look like you know a big hero. Corbin is a really interesting one. 
because you're right. He gets booed. And I say this at the at the risk of of taking some of his heat off of him. I don't know if I said this last week, but I saw him after Smack the SmackDown on Fox debut. Um and I was like he was just sort of uh, hanging out with Mark Henry, I think, and a little bit blissed out about the night. And he had just been, you know, uh, b- been uh, sm- get laid the smackdown upon him by The Rock and by Becky Lynch. And I, w- <laughs> and I was just like, hey, man, like, you know, uh, I'm sure you do. But like, I hope that you realize how awesome that was. Like, that's like the coolest thing that could have possibly happened to anybody. And he was like, trust me, I know. Like, he was just happy yeah. as can be. And, um, and, you know, he, it's clear that this guy is like a fan, and he like he knows what to do, I and mean, he's got he's like he's got every tool. Um, I mean, obviously, he doesn't have like the in ring skills of some of these like you know indie guys that have been coming in, but he's got, but he can wrestle his ass off, like you said. I guess here's my question to you. You know, Nakamura and Sami Zayn have been going gangbusters to the extent they've been given the opportunity. Corbin's. You know, it's taken a while, but he's really solidified himself, and he's finally got, looks like he's got his gear worked out, and he's got a t-shirt that I might actually buy, and, you know, he, he's headed <laughs> in the right direction, but you used to write for WWE, like, is this, a, is, is are these conversations you would have, like, how do you get, how do we get a heel over without getting him cheered, you know, I mean, is there, is there a way, is this a, is this like an actual conversation that happens, or are you just trying to get oh, somebody absolutely. booed? All right, well, tell absolutely, me about it. Absolutely, man, and, and most of these things that, that used to take place when I was, when I was there, was uh you know there's, there's there was like two types of heels there was like the heels that like people liked and there was like real real deal like we don't like you heels and Baron was one of those guys and 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 especially during my time over there people forget like Baron was carrying that show like he was the most fed guy he was the most well fed guy when it comes to segments when it comes to opportunities when it comes to you know really shaking his finger at the crowd and really getting people to really not like him. And, you know, just far as a, as a talent goes, like I, I did, it was your hard pressed to find anybody who worked harder back there as far as like memorizing so many segments. And, you know, when he was the, the, the constable, you know, what I mean? <laughs> of, of Monday Night Raw, like he was a guy who really got people to truly, truly not like him. Like I'm talking about as soon as his music hits, people are just, booing him out the building and there's people that are booked as heels that are almost too cool to be a heel and I kind of feel like you know granted Sami Zayn's doing well to, to get him cheered or uh, booed but Shinsuke Nakamura is one of those guys who's just so fucking cool that like mm-hmm. it's hard to fool him sometimes you know and that's why a guy like Baron is absolutely so so uh, important and um, he was a guy that we knew got lots of booze and got lots of, and, and, and wants to be somebody who gets booze. You know what I mean? Like there's some people that, that are heels that are, that want to be cool heels because it's kind of easier. It's easier. It's funny. And, um, and you know, a perfect example, no fault to Elias. Elias is probably the coolest heel we had at one point because he was just so damn entertaining. And it's not like a knock at him or anything like that, but like he wouldn't even, he wouldn't have to wrestle a match. He would just come in, sing a song, run down the city and and he would get booed, but like you boo out of like respect. And Baron Corbin's a different different way. Like people just really, really did not like this guy, and that's just that's golden when you're when you're when you're writing pro wrestling. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I can I can see that. I hope that uh, I hope that he continues to grow. I hope there's a lot of room for Baron Corbin to grow, and I think there will be. I mean, this is going to be. 
the smack. I mean, we we all talk about how you know the 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 roster split, the brand split. If it really holds fast, is going to give a lot of opportunities to some of the sort of mid card performers. And and he's obviously above the mid card. I mean, he's a main eventer, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. just by any definition. But he's going to be given this opportunity to to. I mean, and he was fed a lot before, but you know now he's sort of. He, I mean, he's, the fact kinda, that I mean, all you, all you have to all you have to do is look at that first episode of SmackDown, and you said it like. When you're in the ring with The Rock and Becky Lynch, like for the first episode of SmackDown on Fox Network, like the most eyes on you, that just tells you right there just how much trust that they have in this guy. You know what I mean? So I think he's going to continue to grow. I think he's going to be one of the more um, sustainable villains in the company. Um, I think the King of the Ring is going to do a lot for him. And on top of that, man, he could work with anybody. He could work with big guys. He could work with small guys. He could work fast. He could work methodical. He could work viciously. Like his his in his offense is very sudden, and uh, you know he's just he's just really just really really good, man. Like he's so good in that ring, and uh, I, I'm I'm glad that people are starting like kind of give him credit for for just how 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 you know how clean he is. I totally agree. Before we move on to uh, to Crown Jewel, I got to ask you because we're talking about the, the the upper card, the headliners on SmackDown. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's Brock Lesnar's hanging around out there, and he'll he'll be back next week uh, to 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 you know pimp out Crown Jewel and, and he'll or this week, sorry. And um, yeah, and and we'll, and we'll see him on occasion. I'm guessing I'm guessing Fox has you know is, is in his ear about showing up a little bit more, but we'll see. Oh yeah, that but Fox guy, money is long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the guy that he beat for the belt, Kofi Kingston, I mean, you know, obviously a couple of weeks ago was the top guy on the on the show. Now he he they, he reverted pretty quickly. He got F five right back into his old role. It felt like. Um, do you think that there's a? Do you think that they're going to find a way to keep him up up towards the top of the card, or is this just sort of? I mean, is this like a brief reset? I know obviously he has to do some tag work now that Xavier's hurt. But like, you know, what 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 do you what do you think as a as a former writer? What do you think that you would that you would do to keep him relevant? What should I mean, do? I think I honestly think they're already telling a pretty good story with Kofi without really being so over the, without really being in your face with it. Because um, you know, if I was there, I, I really think that the story to tell is you know Kofi just kind of being in denial right now. You know what I mean? Like he didn't really mention anything about Brock. They didn't talk about the, how fast the match was. Usually, when somebody gets squashed like that. You know, you think of Sheamus and Daniel Bryan, you think of Bob Backlund and Diesel, you think of all those type of championship matches that ended in like 10 seconds. Those are usually long-term storylines where it's like, oh man, this guy got beat in 10 seconds, haha, or something like that. But here, they really haven't touched it or mentioned it, and you could kind of feel like they're going in the direction of Kofi kind of being in denial of what happened and sort of, and maybe this might get shaken up because of Woods' injury, sort of starting some dissension within that group, within the New Day, because, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you could tell some really good stories with Kofi because he had this great run. He had this great run as a WWE champion, as a babyface champion, at winning at WrestleMania, and then just losing and being, you know, if I'm a fan who doesn't really know much about wrestling, just completely being okay with it. Like, not yeah. even trying to go at Brock, not even trying to, you know, get a rematch and nothing like that. He's just right back down to dancing and throwing pancakes and stuff like that. And if I'm a fan watching that, 
I look at it like, yo, how are you just totally okay with that? Granted, Brock is Brock Lesnar and all this type of stuff, but, like, you know, there's a good story to tell with, like, Kofi kind of being, like, a little complacent, and then you give him a new edge, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, that, that's a time where you could give him that edge, and, you know, and maybe, you know, he got something with Crown Jewel coming around, and maybe he's been quiet by design, and I think a lot of this stuff has been by design where he just kind of hasn't been around it and hasn't touched it because I do feel like, you know, if you notice everything, Kofi is still in the main marquee of everything where it's when they're promoting Fox on SmackDown on Fox during NFL games or college football games, when they do the intros and the signatures, like Kofi is smack dab in the middle of everything. So I think by design, they're kind of keeping him away from the title because they're going to give him a new edge when he has that next run, when he, when he tries to go back after it. And I think the New Day is going to be a big part of that as long as uh, Woods is healthy. Um, but, I mean, you know, I think that's – you got to think about it like this, man. Kofi is a guy, a, a champion, a babyface champion that for the first time in, in a number of years, probably since Daniel Bryan, I don't think Daniel Bryan counts because he had to relinquish the title because of injury. He was the first babyface champion I've seen lose the title and people were, like, legitimately upset. Oh, like, yeah. Really, like, just – just furious, like not even so much. Even the people who weren't even keen on Kofi Sauteron thought he deserved better than how he lost it. So, I mean, there's definitely going to be a way to to build that guy back because once you got that emotion, and the guy is just so good at drawing real human emotion from people, whether it's joy or anguish or anything like that, you always got something. So, um, I think they're keeping Kofi away from Brock by design right now, and I think eventually they're going to heat him up again. I mean, obviously the Cain Velasquez crown jewel thing, you got to do that. There's big money there, and uh, and I totally understand why you do that. But, you know, eventually you got to, you know, Cain's still a little green, but Kofi's a guy that's going to be there every week. He's going to be a guy yeah. that's going to carry yourself. He's going to be a guy that's going to be there all the time. So, yeah, yeah, I think you ride it out until crown jewel, and then you heat him up after then, going into Survivor Series and into the end of the year. And then maybe you tell a great story at the Royal Rumble with him again, you know? So yeah. there's things there. There's absolutely things there of him climbing back to that mountaintop, especially when you're a babyface who who uh, draws so much of that real human emotion. I like uh, your idea that he's in denial. I hope that, I mean, I hope that you're right about this stuff because you're talking mm-hmm. about. You're talking about subtext, and that's, you know, sometimes it's, it's uh, I mean, I know from all the writing I've done over the years and, and talking about pro wrestling, it's easy to it's easier sometimes to, to imagine the subtext than, than to expect WWE to actually pull it off. And it's certainly, a lot of times, it's asking too much of the audience to try to see that. But if that, I mean, listen, you're right. There's a good long-term story to tell. And a lot of times people default into, oh, my favorite wrestler needs to be in the main event or I'm mad. And Kofi Kingston... You know, it is sad the way he lost it, and they're gonna they're gonna have an opportunity to tell this, the next chapter of that story. But between now and then, it doesn't matter if he's in the main event. At some point, you just got to be telling a story that doesn't forget that he was a champion. You know, I mean, he if he if he wants to be if the character's in denial, I guess that's fine. But the, but you know, you have yeah. the WWE has to like make sure that like you as the reader know that they know that he matters. And I think that you know you're making a good case for how they can do that. I hope that they actually go through with it all. All right, Crown Jewel isn't this weekend. But I do want to get your take on it um, because it's next week and I will probably have a show before then. But, uh, you know, I just want to run through this card really quick because I want to see. I mean, it's been a very weird road. They start the SmackDown thing. Then they do the draft. They have this like serious brand split. They're all out there saying like this is the last time we're ever going to see these 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 wrestlers in the same ring together. And then it's like, oh, yeah, but we have Crown Jewel in like, you know, a week. So 
until then, except for that. You know what? You know, can I can I can I be completely honest about Crown Jewel, man? And I know this is going to be really controversial, but I don't care. I love Saudi bag season. Like <laughs> Saudi, seeing <laughs> this for the past couple of weeks, like Saudi bag season is the most like ridiculous, just over the top, like part of the WWE schedule. It's like almost like this non-canon, like doesn't really have to really go with what's going on in the show, but we're just going to give a bunch of money to a bunch of these guys to go all the way over to Saudi Arabia and put on these massively huge matches in these in these stadiums that, in the grand scheme of things, probably really mean nothing. Like, there hasn't been anything of really true consequence that's happened at any of these um, no. Saudi events. You know what I mean? They're just kind of like really just brolic house shows. And, uh, you know, and I, I think we're, we're a few years away from getting hologram Eddie versus uh, Ray Mysterio. Yes. I think we're getting, <laughs> like, I think, you know, anytime the undertaker gets to come down and I think we'll get that sting match one day. Like, I just think, you know, just the bag is just so long. Like we got Shawn Michaels to come out of retirement for one of these things <laughs> and nobody talks about it. Like nobody even mentioned it <laughs> ever Here's- again. And it's just, so hilarious to me like I'm, I'm hoping i am praying to the wrestling god we get a rick flair and then hulk hogan showdown where they get a chop off and rick flair puts hogan in the in the figure four or something like that like it's just it's just the most ridiculous part of the wwe schedule that like <laughs> if you could completely just if you could just like not not look into your your own your political beliefs or anything like that, and just watch it just as a wrestling fan. It's just so ridiculous. It's like, like what a best in the world tag team cup. Like, what does that even mean? What's the point of all this? <laughs> Nothing really. But it's it's so fun to me. It's one of my favorite parts of the year. Like I used to, I used to think it was just really whack at first, but like I've grown to appreciate just the sheer ridiculousness of it. I think the only hangup is, I mean, that, that I mean, the, that fans or the only legitimate hangup that fans have is the way that it messes with the regular, the this regular storytelling. Because you're right, it's like outside of the timeline. You know, I mean, this is this is like an alternate universe where this stuff is taking place. Yeah. Except, and, it's and like listen, when you watch Dragon Ball Z, and like they'll be telling the story, and then they'll tell this completely different story for about yeah. like two episodes, <laughs> yes. and then go back to like Goku running on the snake layer or something <laughs> like that. Like that's kind of what it feels like a lot of times. The problem is if nothing that happens there ever matters. Like if Seth Rollins retains against Bray Wyatt, which I guess you know th- yeah. that could, you could imagine a way that would happen. But if it, but if 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 Seth does retain against the Fiend, then I think you just look back and you say, well, that sucks that we didn't get a, an ending at Hell in a Cell, so that they could not give us an ending now too. And I feel like we've that's the same thing that happened with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at the first show when we didn't get a, a WrestleMania finish or whatever. And that, that that's the frustration. But the way that you're talking about it, I think is the exact right way to look at it. It's like, you know, this new, the, the new video game just came out, w, uh, 2K 2020 or whatever it's called. And um, in years past, I've done some, I've done some um, uh, video game related like interviews or whatever. You get, pre- you get access, you know, cause the, cause the, cause 2K, the company who are fantastic people and really, really good at PR are out there like, hey, do you want an interview with this person? Do you want an interview with this person? And the only condition really is that like 
you got to try to mention the video game one time in the interview. You don't. You can say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like. You don't have to. This isn't a Saudi Arabia situation. I'm allowed to like you know be honest with everybody, and I don't even play video games. Yeah. But but the question that I would always ask these wrestlers is just like, hey, like if you could, re- you know, this video game has every wrestler from like our entire lives in it. Like so, like what is your dream match? What is you know you're interviewing whoever? I'm interviewing Kevin Owens. Like Kevin Owens versus any wrestler in the history of wrestling. Who do you want to wrestle? And so and that was always like this crazy hypothetical that could only happen when you're talking about a video. game game but now in Saudi bag season as you call it and I'm going to use that that <laughs> phrase now so thank you all these crazy dream matches could really happen with the exception it of our blo- <laughs> yeah I mean like, you know, honestly funny, the funny part about it is like wrestling fans like hate Saudi bag season but this extremely rich prince of Saudi Arabia is literally the only guy that can give you all these dream matches <laughs> yes but you kind of got to you kind of got to go against your politics. You kind of got to look the other way with a little bit of the propaganda that happens that they put on the TV or whatever. But it's like, at the end of the day, this guy's just like, what? Just some really, what if, what if, what if, like, he's really just this big mark <laughs> like, has, like, yeah. the ability to put on, like, all these great matches. Like, I forgot, I think uh, CM Punk, he just did an interview a few weeks ago, and they said, what? could uh what's the one thing that could get you back to wwe and they said a really big bag and yep. i'm like isn't that isn't that that's the conundrum to have as a wrestling fan <laughs> where it's like you love cm punk but the only way he's coming back is if he comes back for that large large check and <laughs> who comes who cuts these large checks i get goldberg to wrestle when he probably shouldn't and Shawn michaels to come out of retirement and undertaker to keep going for as long as i don't know however the hell he wants and to get tyson fury when he should be probably getting ready for Deontay Wilder and <laughs> like Kane Velasquez, like who has pockets deep enough? Listen, this guy. So but, like, how big of a wrestling it, fan are you really? <laughs> if you if you take away if you take away the, the horrible human rights abuses and the trillions and trillions of dollars that this guy has, the Crown Prince is basically just Joey Janela in another country. He's like booking <laughs> matches. He's just like wait. Is Marty Jannetty available? Can I can can he come here exactly. and perform? You know, he's like just remembering people from his childhood. Um, I just want him to book like the Midnight Express and like the Young Bucks or something. Just anybody like like I, I really want like a hologram Ultimate Warrior eventually. Hologram Eddie Guerrero. Like yeah, you need to get we need to get somebody back. in his ear. I don't I don't know if it's ever been settled whether he is just like. A decade or two behind in his in his wrestling viewing, or if he just stopped watching when a lot of people did, and that's why he's just going for the old school dudes. But like, that's kind of what I feel like. I feel like you know they want to bring over all this Western culture to that country, and it's just like, oh, who 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 were wrestlers that people know? Like, oh, I know the Undertaker. Oh, I know Shawn Michaels. Oh, I know Goldberg. Oh, I know these guys. So it's just like, yo. How much? How much will it cost? Like, it's literally blank checks that are, that seem. It seems like that are getting written. I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't been there in several months, so I really couldn't tell you. But I mean, just looking at the card, I mean, you got Cain Velasquez is not cheap. You got Tyson Fury, who's box office anywhere. They said he goes. fifteen million. Like, fifteen million dollars <laughs> is the number that they're floating. You know that money is stupid long, stupid yeah. long. So yes, he is just Joey Janela with a shit ton of oil money. <laughs> um, the one story that they act that actually does matter, or at least matters for the for these shows, is uh, the continued rise of Mansoor, who is taking on <laughs> Cesaro at this show. I guess he, Mansoor is just your local hero, your local babyface who's going to keep going over. 
He won the battle royal last time. Now he's going to take on Cesaro and presumably win. I wonder what they're going to. I wonder, you know, a couple of Saudi shows from now, if this guy's going to be just like challenging for the title. Is this is this going to be like? Is this this alternate universe is like? Is this the ending of this alternate universe storyline? It's eventually going to be Mansoor versus Brock Lesnar for the belt, but only in Saudi Arabia. Does it matter? Oh, listen, I fully expect Mansoor to go over Brock Lesnar and ooh, the schoolboy roll up in eight minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Win the title. And it won't even be, uh, clearly it won't be the WWE title. It'll probably be like some like World Cup uh, championship that's only won overseas or something like that. You know, it'll be fun. And it'll be fun, man. Like, shout out to Mansoor, man. What a sweet deal he has. You don't really get to see him on NXT. You don't really get to see him on WWE TV. But the only time you get to see him is when he's wrestling in front of tens of thousands of his countrymen. And he always looks like the man. Like, what a what a sweet deal he's got, man. Shout out to him. And uh, you get to wrestle Cesaro, who's always going to make you look like a, a rock star and make anybody look amazing. So, I mean, it'll be great. It'll be great to watch. It's going to be one of those sneaky good matches because all Cesaro does is have amazing matches. He can have an amazing match with me. With a, with a mop with anybody. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, Mansoor is, is, is not, he's not in the sneeze at man. He could go. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It should be, it should be fun. And I know a lot of people try to pretend like they don't watch uh, Crown Jewel, but you're going to watch and you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on past Crown Jewel, because uh, I, I kind of think you're right there, and that's a good place to transition in. We're talking about Mansoor. We're talking about building new stars, the main event today. The thing I really want to talk about is how we make these new stars. Because in the past week in pro wrestling, we've seen a lot of star-making matches. Last week, we got uh, Chris Jericho taking on Darby Allin um, on AEW, which was a hell of a match. Um, they had a, Last week, had a bunch of good matches on AEW, but that's the one I'm really interested in, this Philly street fight they had. Um, obviously, they've been pushing Allin since, well, I mean, for a while, but this is a big moment for him. On SmackDown, we had... Uh, we had Shorty G making his official debut as Shorty G, that being Chad Gable mm-hmm. going over Curtis Axel. That's a totally different story. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably one in, I mean, he's he's doing well, but, you know, to, your mileage may vary. And then over on Raw, we got a couple of matches I want to talk about. The big one, I think, is Seth Rollins versus Humber- uh, Humberto Carrillo, uh, who, which is which was a, I mean, everybody's just calling it a star turn for Creo. He just looks yeah. fantastic in that match. Handsome Humberto, man. You look at his face. You see how, see how handsome that dude is? See those dimples, man? That's money right there. Absolute and then the, money. And then the big one, the big the big finish is uh, the, well, the, the, the ending of Raw was the, the, the Raw debut, in-ring debut, and big win by the Street Profits, um, who, well, we'll get to them in a minute. So let's, let's go back to the beginning on there. Um, Chris Jericho made Darby Allen look like a million bucks. I mean, Chris. I mean, he, he yeah. also he also made him look like a legitimate competitor, which is, you know, uh, I mean, Darby Allen's not the biggest guy in the world. A lot of people are comparing him to Jeff Hardy, which I think is a pretty legitimate, you know, comparison for a lot of different reasons. But I think the big thing is it's just this like, like really diff- really hard to describe level of charisma and, and level of like kind of allure and. Uh, mm-hmm. For this guy to be like, like not they didn't even go the normal route of like you know just have him keep fighting from underneath and like and, and I mean they did and 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 make him look good in the process but they I mean Jericho like handcuffed him behind his back like they and they had like a bunch of just like holy shit spots mixed into this thing I mean this was a match that you would have that on paper you would have just been like 
why and how. Um, but they made, especially with a with a championship match for Jericho already booked, right? So like this this could have this. There's no way Darby Allen was going to win. We already knew the we already knew the end result, and somehow they made it compelling. Somehow they made it good. And I mean, is this just or is this future champion Darby Allen that we're looking at now? Is he that great? I mean, you know what? It, it kind of just a lot of it speaks to just how great Chris Jericho is, man. Like, yeah. people can say what they want about him, but he's one of the he's one of the greatest of all time for a reason, man. Like, he's the guy that you know when people were crying and complaining, "Oh my God, how do you put uh, the, the 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 new title on a guy who's almost fifty years old?" And you got Adam Page and da da da, da and I'm like, this is why you need a guy that is believable. You need a guy that's gonna you know, put butts in his seats, and you need a guy that's going to make stars. And that's why you have a established heel champion in Chris Jericho, who is, you know, like I said, without a doubt, one of the best to ever do it, and probably the best to ever do if you ask certain people. And, um, you know, he absolutely made their reality into a household name. Um, that's the, That was always my one worry about AEW was, Gosh, I hope it doesn't turn into another impact thing when it's just like WWE outcasts and, and people that, you know, weren't getting really any burn in any other companies, uh, you know, turning into, you know, WWE light. And that's not what I've seen so far, man. Like, I've, you know, guys like Scorpio Sky have been, you know, great, Oof. have had star making matches. Um, Private Party two weeks ago. Like those are two guys that I'm, I'm. I had no idea who they were going into it, and now I'm just like, oh, these guys are awesome. I've watched, I've watched these guys all the time, and then um, you know, Darby Allen too. You know, all these guys are very unique. They're young. They um, and that's exactly what you need when you're building a brand new company. You can't give me old rehashes of stuff I've already seen before. You know, like you kind of roll your eyes at the, you know, not roll your eyes, but it's like, yeah, like Jack, Jake Hager, absolute badass, like legitimately will we'll, we'll fuck you up. But it's just like, I know you, I've seen you already. And, I, and you're going to need a fresh coat of paint. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally cool with him being an AEW and being like a big star there. But it's like, I want to see something new. Like I was promised a new vision of pro wrestling. I was promised the future. I was promised like there's going to be something different. And then when you're having guys like Darby Allen, private party and, you know, uh, the guy that Cody Rhodes faced in the first match, that's also in, uh, the inner circle. I forgot his name. His name escapes me. I forget. But anyway, this, what I'm saying is that you got to make stars. You got to make people make me one. You got to make me want to give a fuck about these guys. You know what I mean? And Jericho did an excellent job of making Darby Allen with the, you know, that whole handcuffs bit the week before when he skated down the ring and, and, and tossed off all him. Like, you know, those are things that, you know, you're not going to see at other, any other company. And, uh, you know, that's that's what you tune in for. That's what I tune in for. You know, I want to see something different. I want to see something unique. Even if it's even if it's bad, man, like I'll watch something that's bad. Like I'll watch <laughs> something that you fall flat in your face as long as you're trying to do something different and trying to do something unique and trying to stand out from the crowd, you know. So uh yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy that match last week. Sammy Guevara is a good is is, is the guy and, and he's and Sammy Guevara, sorry he, about he, that. He man. belongs yeah, in this conversation. He was, he was he belongs in this conversation too, and so does Scorpio Sky. I meant to have him actually on this list because that match to open up AEW was, you know, I kind of, I kind of, I was, I was not uh, expecting a lot out of him only because 
you know, he's been he's been around with SoCal Censored Uncensored for a while. And I just thought that it, I, I kind of thought that he would have kind of already ascended, you know, the indie ranks before this. If he, if if it were I mean, he, he was doing well out there, but I thought he would have been mm-hmm. a bigger signing from the start. They did a great job of making of, of kind of organically building him and having him wrestle in his street clothes with one shoe. And I mean, that was an incredible way to make a star. Having the the way you describe it's exactly right. I mean, Darby Allen, they they were able the way that they were able to showcase him was really impressive because, you know, they're still in the in the in the phase of introducing the viewers to a lot of these wrestlers, right? I mean, they're still they're making they're making almost all of their stars all at the same time, and but to be able to or, organically grow some of these youngsters right before our eyes in the first month of TV is really really impressive. Um, yeah. And it's it's easy to uh, you know I tweeted about it a lot, man. Like you can't just go balls to the wall and do like PWG style matches every type of week, every single week. Like you got to give things time to develop. You got to give people you know opportunities to to turn into stars and you know give me reasons to tune in next week and to care. You know, so um, outside of that, man, like they still. I mean, granted, AEW does have a lot of its flaws as well, but when it comes to you know putting guys on TV that I, you know, the general public really haven't heard of and making me care about them. They've done a, they've done a pretty solid job of that so far. So you got to think that like this Rollins versus Carrillo match was a little bit of a response to that star making that AEW has been doing. And part of it's the brand split and they got to start making new stars on these shows. But I mean, uh, Humberto was just incredible in this match. Seth Rollins kind of working heel throughout the whole thing, doing a little bit of that Jericho, Jericho mold himself. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that, I mean, it felt like this was the freshest thing that happened on WWE television this week. Do you think that this is like, that this is an imperative for them to start building these, to start building the next generation too? Yeah, because, you know, if you don't do that, if, you, if you're having the same matchups with people, you know what I mean? You're not building anybody new. You're, you, you kind of softly disbanded 205 Live and, uh, you know, you're getting these people up on the on the main roster. How do you, how do you make somebody a, a tier one guy or a tier two guy if you're not building up your tier four guys? You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, Humberto, who was killing it all year on 205 Live and even yeah. on NXT for a little bit. And, um, you know, you can see that they're really into, you know, right now, they're really into guys that are smaller, that, 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 you know, I think, I honestly think like the NXT sort of influence is really starting to spread out throughout the entire company where you got these guys who aren't household names, but like they're, they could, they're high flyers and they're fast paced. And, you know, like a lot of times, you know, they weren't really, you wouldn't really have seen that a while ago. You know what I mean? Like another great match was, you know, you got, you got, uh, Andrade and Sin Cara, which, oh, you yeah. know, Andrade is being built up as a guy right now who's who's going to be a major player as well. Um, but Humberto, man, like he's he's a dude that you know got a great look, great smile. I mean, handsome dude and could wrestle his ass off, and and seems like a guy that could definitely um, you know get that respect and get the the proverbial rub from Seth Rollins. Um, there's there's there's. There's rare occasions when you had that chance to make a guy. And yeah. Seth definitely made that dude last night, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, it's really easy to just write off 
some of these people when they have like one match that doesn't hit the way it's supposed to hit, like the Hell in the Cell match. And then he just go, I remember like, oh yeah, Seth Rollins is probably if not the top three best wrestler on the planet and can make anyone look like a megastar or a future megastar. And that was great. That's, that's one of those great moments where, you know, even in defeat, the guy looks really good. And, uh, you know, it was a great match, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Totally agree with everything you just said. Um, it's interesting you're talking about how WWE is going, moving to a little bit of a smaller, uh, a smaller size for, for some of these wrestlers. I, w- I thought about that a lot when I was watching Andrade versus Sin Cara because the last time we saw Sin Cara have a match of any significance, he was the little guy, night in and night out. He was the little guy. And then all of a sudden he comes to the ring and he's he might have an inch on Andrade who you know, is being pushed as a main eventer in a nominally heavyweight division. Um, mm-hmm. and, and But then, you know, so, and then you have, you know, Humberto who was, uh, you know, a little bit smaller than Rollins, but that was not really part of the story particularly. And, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of of some of the other 205 guys, uh, you know, Buddy Murphy, that that uh, obviously we've seen a lot of Ali down, you know, too. I mean, th- th- we're going to see a lot more of them. And, and you know, some of them are going to be playing the kind of plucky underdog role. Ali's been doing a lot of that. But we're, but it's not just about the, their size, which makes it kind of all the more befuddling that, we're, that they've turned Chad Gable into Shorty G. Now, maybe this is brilliant. I have no idea. Maybe mm-hmm. this is going to get him over. He seems to be doing his best to carry this thing off. Um, but the, but he's obviously getting this brand new push, and he got on the mic and he was just like, "I'm going to own this. I'm just going to own it. I'm Shorty yeah. G." Do you think Yo, this is a path, a path to success? Yeah, quiet as cut, man. That was that was probably the best solo promo I've seen him cut. You know, Chad Gable, and he he sounded believable. He sounded sure of himself. And a lot of times, like, that's probably the biggest test of passiveness, man. Like, no matter what trace is given, just just go all in, just dive all the way into it. You can kind of tell that he's really starting to feel himself when it comes to the microphone work. Um, you know, I think it's going to be, um, it still remains to be seen. I don't know where you're going to go with Shorty G. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, I, I, here's the thing about pro wrestling, man. Like, we can make any, we can, we can suspend our disbelief for literally anything. Like, for the past 30 years, we've watched a dead guy, like, you know, sort of <laughs> wrestle. So, at the end of the day, as long as you could wrestle, we really do not care what your gimmick really is, to be honest. Like, we can enjoy it for as much as we can, but, you know, as long as that bell rings and the guy could go and put on help a great match, you know, whatever you do in between that, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't all the way matter. You know what I mean? Like, you're, as long as you're invested in it, I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, he had a great story being told in the, in the King of the Ring tournament. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation, man. There's opportunities where, you know, it could go by the wayside and people just, just don't feel it. But I think he, I think he's really just kind of like dove himself in, man. And you gotta understand a lot of these guys who kind of sit on the side, like Chad Gable is one of the guys, like when I was working there that could barely get on TV and now he's getting, you know, a, a, a ton of TV time every single week. So it's like. When you get the opportunity, man, he's got to take that football and just run through the wall with it, and and just go with it. And um, you know, he's been he's he's done the best he can do with what he's been given. And a lot of times, you got to really just uh, you know, you got to give yourself some time to see where 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 the story's going to go. 
And I'm gonna give my time. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna be the one who just poo poos on Shorty G immediately because I remember a lot of people weren't really feeling the Bray Wyatt thing at first. I remember a lot of people weren't feeling a lot of gimmicks at first. But you mm-hmm. gotta give people time. You gotta give things time to develop because as long as the dude can wrestle, a lot of that stuff really don't matter. So and of all, clearly one of the best wrestlers on the planet. So of all of the big star making turns this week. There was one person who I felt like I heard over and over again referred to as a future world champion. And it's not any of the guys we discussed. It was, uh, it was Montez Ford of the Street Profits. Every time this guy mm-hmm. gets mentioned in conversation, it's, this, is, this, this guy has the potential to be the rock. This guy has the potential to be a world champion. And first of all, let's uh, officially state for the record that the, that, the, that the official platform of the Masked Man Show is do not sleep on Angelo Dawkins, all right? That, that, is, that needs yeah. to be said loudly and often. But, yeah. uh, but, but Montez Ford, has, I mean, it, it's, you, you can't look at him, and you can't look at either of the Street Profits and not just feel like you're looking at some piece of the future. And they had a great match uh, against, against the OC on Monday night. They had a, you know, it was, it was, they hyped it up just right the way they told the story on Raw. This is their, you know, their big in-ring debut, and they celebrated the win like it really, really mattered. Uh, they got a nice little rub from Kevin Owens. They got the whole thing, but like, um, you know, that of all of these matches that felt like little coronations in their own way, this is the one they really put over as a coronation, weirdly. And then the way they celebrated off the air when Montez grabbed the baby. I think when Montez Ford grabbed the baby is going to be one of those moments sure. that we we look back and we say like, it, I mean, that's like one of those. That's one of those like. Like Stone Cold, or yeah, Austin three sixteen says, "I just whooped your ass." Like one of those like improv moments that we're gonna see on WWE yeah. videos for the rest of our lives. Um, oh, for sure. I don't know. What do you think? What do you I, think? What do you think about these guys? <laughs> I'm a I'm a big Street Profits guy, man. And when it comes to anything, especially when it comes to uh, pro wrestling, you absolutely have to be able to talk, and those guys can talk with the best of them. And there's nobody like them on on TV. There's nobody like them on any roster. Um, they're authentic. You know what I mean? Like they say stuff. They talk like me and my friends talk. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like that's not you know that's that's a rarity in that company. You know what I'm saying? So you know, especially when you got groups like New Day, and you know, when it comes to black wrestlers, like there's there's a that was one of you know that's that's the thing that's really hard to pull off when it comes to WWE TV is being able to be uh, a, a authentic, uh, genuine, convincing black character on wrestling television, and you know the Street Profits got that man. Like they kind of give me like Beavis and Marrow vibes the way they kind of commentate over everything happening on Raw, and um, you know I think Angelo Dawkins is a guy who's. Uh, could be a great, great player for that company. Um, he's somebody who's earned it. He's been in NXT for God knows how long. So for for seeing somebody, you know, really get out the mud, I'm really happy to see him kind of doing it. Um, but yeah, man, Montez Ford, he just, oh man, he just has so much fucking charisma. Like he, he he's a good looking dude. He, he's great shape. He's extremely athletic. He's well up for him. Has like a long, lanky, like build to himself, where it's like you can kind of see him when he eventually fills out because he's still pretty young. When he eventually fills out, man, he's going to be somebody that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Just you know, you, you can't teach that type of charisma. 
You either, you either got it or you don't, man. Like you can take, and and when you think about it, like a lot of the stuff that he's saying that they're they're doing on TV isn't any real groundbreaking promos, but you know just the way you say it. A lot of times it's not about what you say; it's how you say it, and the and, and the how is so important. And they've been killing it, and uh, especially Montez, man. Like he's a guy who's he's gonna be he's gonna be uh, paying a lot of bills, paying a lot of people's bills in that company in the next 10, 15 years, if he wants to, if he wants yeah. that. Because he's a guy who, who seems like he'd be talented in whatever he wanted to do. I know he was a track star. I know he was somebody who's been, you know, extremely gifted and, and succeeded in other walks of life. So if he wants to be that next Dwayne Johnson, man, I don't, I don't see why he won't. If, if that's something that, if that's something that he really wants to pursue and he kind of got a, you kind of got to see yourself through these first couple of gimmicks before you truly find yourself. And when he truly finds himself, like just watch out, man, that guy's going to run this place. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, we're talking about size. I, I, I mean, it, it bears mention that in a, in a company that Vince McMahon is still running, both of these guys are like legit tall guys. These, both of these guys are big enough to have made it in the attitude era without any trepidation or in the era or whatever the, the Hulkamania era. I mean, they were, these are, these are sizable uh-huh. dudes. They're incredibly uh-huh. skilled, incredibly gifted, but it's not just Vince McMahon that you got to talk about. It's also, uh, it's also Paul Heyman who's running the show back there. Who's clearly a fan, right? I mean, you got to have, oh, no matter, you can see it. no matter who you are in wrestling, you got to have an angel. You know, you got to have a sponsor. You got to have somebody who's like has a vested interest in making it work for you. And uh, you got to mm-hmm. do a lot of that work yourself. But like, you know, to get that yeah. first look, you got it's 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 important. I mean, he was that for me. I'll tell you that much. He was definitely that for me when I was over there. Paul Heyman's a guy who, you know, sought me out anytime I was doing any stuff, any any segment, any promo, whatever. He always made sure that my shit was, was, was top notch. And when we got to work together on some promos. Um, you know, I got to help write with him and, and do some stuff with him as well. He's a guy that when he believes in you, he will go to bat for you. He will absolutely like, he will stand up to you. He will put his nuts on Vince McMahon's table and say, no, this guy, you know what I mean? Like, no, this way, you know? And, um, you can tell that he probably, he's, he's, he's just, his, his footprints are all over raw, man. Like every single segment had, something building towards the future, building towards tomorrow. It wasn't just like, oh my God, we got to get a bunch of people to watch today. Let's just get the biggest match we could put on today, which I think some people, you know, do a little bit too much, but every, every single segment was built towards building a guy. And, um, you know, that's what he does, man. Like, he, he's got that thing about him that people trust him. He lets people, you know, people let them trust him. And he's just an absolute just, it's like fucking Simon Cowell, dog. Like you just got that fucking eye when it comes mm-hmm. to like talent and just knowing who got it and who don't. And even if you don't got it, he will make you believe that you fucking got it, man. Like he's, I can't say enough good things about Paul Heyman, man. Like I, I, I love the guy to death, and um, you know, you can absolutely tell his fingerprints are all over, you know, that show. And he's not necessarily building towards to win to pop one rating that night he's trying to build towards the future well i mean that that's that's about all you need to say man um i get i I, i'll just i mean i i know that it it doesn't always matter but i feel like sometimes you can tell a lot about this about charisma by meeting wrestlers in real life you know there's some people who you just like 
you kind of catch your breath when you look when you turn around and look at them in, in person, whether or not you've seen them in the ring, whether or not they're famous. And um, yeah, they, they got to pass the airport test. Yeah, pass the airport test. Like if you're walking through an airport and you see somebody walking by, oh, who's that guy? That's usually that's usually what it means. Um, yeah, I mean, I I've, I got to meet Montez a couple of times. And he's a wonderful dude, and I and I like I genuinely like him as a person, and I'm excited when I get to see him. But I yeah. know I know that he's working on another level. I never like, even I, met him. I oh, I never we, even met him. I never even got to like talk to the guy. I was just like, I mean, I've met Angelo before, but like he's one guy that I, I've never even met, and I'm just like, I'm just a fan, dude. Like I just I just know it when I see it, and you just know that this guy's gonna be somebody who's gonna be paying a lot of those bills. In the next like five to ten years, I I just I, I can tell I I could tell from the moment I met him that he was he was he was he was inspecting me and everybody that he talked to on a, on like a deeper level than he was letting on like he he's like so deep into like just he he's he's figuring things out he's like doing the math at every second of the day and uh, and mm-hmm. I think I think he's got everything he needs I think he's got everything and like I said. That baby, I can't wait to see like the WWE.com. Where are they now about that baby in 16 years? And he's going to be like, you know, at the performance <laughs> center. Um, uh, listen, it was a great moment. We got a lot of good moments this week. A lot of things to be hopeful about. And um, and and uh, hopefully, I don't know if we figured out how to build any stars, but we got a lot of uh, we we got a lot of examples of um, of of how some stars are, are starting to be born in this new era of pro wrestling. I gotta let you go before we get out of here. I want to hit on a couple of quick things, a couple of a couple of off-topic things. Um, I want to get your take on this stuff. Number one, well, this is this segment is uh, is officially called the Schmas. Number one, Jim Cornette okay. hates. Wait for it. I know you're going to be surprised, but Jim Cornette mm-hmm. hates Marco Stunt. He thinks it's a travesty that Marco Stunt was allowed to wrestle in AEW because he looks like a little kid. I think the uh, here's the Jim Cornette tweet. The most embarrassingly rotten, stinky tag match in the history of wrestling just took place on AEW Dynamite, <laughs> and the Ding Dongs are now in second place for worst all-time tag team. Now, listen, Cornette is this is shtick for him at this point, but he also believes. Oh yeah, like <laughs> come on, man! You can't even you can't even get tired of anything he says anymore. It's like that's his gimmick. Like you, like that's that's just what he does. That's what he does. You know, you know. You could you could smell something Cornet's gonna shit on from a mile away, and you can't like if you get upset about it, like that's that's more about you because that's just him. He's not gonna change. That's how he is. He's very old school. He's old fashioned. Like that's what that's what he does. So it is what it is. It's funny because I adhere actually to the Dave Melter. I mean, the Dave Melter side in this whole thing where he said I didn't think I was gonna like this match at all. I came in with a negative attitude about it and was won over because I. I mean, listen, I came into this thinking. When they first announced the AEW roster, when they started rolling it out, I in Jungle Boy or or Jungle Jack, as Jr. likes to call him, Jungle Jack Perry, uh, which, is, which is congratulations to Jr. because Jungle Jack Perry is a fantastic name. Um, but when when they announced yeah. that when they were announcing the roster, he was like the littlest little little guy, right? I mean, he was like the, mm-hmm. he was he he was the gimmick small guy, and now his tag team partner is yeah. like makes him look like like Randy Orton. And uh, and so I do understand the trepidation. I understand the anxiety that comes with like seeing that guy in the ring and, and, and what it means for the future of pro wrestling and whatever else. We're just talking about WWE's model, guys getting smaller. Um, you know, even on Jim Cornette's wonderful show, uh, or the show that he's doing that he's doing uh, commentary for on this NWA show, they, they, they put over a small guy this week. I mean, listen, it's all getting smaller, but you're right. I think Jim Cornette, you got to appreciate him. You got to laugh. Uh, and you don't have to take anything that he says that seriously. This is just a, 
this I have nothing I have nothing to say about this next item except I just want to read it because I find it hilarious. Tonight's WWE Total Divas episode. I don't even know when Total Divas is on, but this is a news a news blurb that I saw on the most recent episode of Total Divas. It features Carmella and Corey Graves trying to keep their relationship from the media. <laughs> How great is it that uh, that's? I know it's, this is reality TV, but that that's the subject of a television of a of a television show trying to keep the relationship a secret is just something on the next level, right? I I guess so, man. I, I love those two so much. I can't even say I'm bad about them. Like, <laughs> I know, like, they're fantastic <laughs> human beings. Come on, folks! Like I can't even. I'm like, all right, yeah, I guess. But uh, I mean, I remember uh, he, he, they 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 came out. At Wally Mania this past year, like when Grace finally broke spilled the beans when he got on stage after I think a, a couple a couple of bottles of Ciroc that we had, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was I love those guys, man. I can't even say nothing bad about them. Uh, I don't watch the show, I don't watch Total Divas, but Mella and Corey, those are, those are two uh, excellent excellent human beings. Yeah, and Corey's got a new podcast that they just announced. He's going to do like the official post show or whatever for WWE, which is if they let him do what he can do, could be really, really fun. One last thing before we go. Uh, there's a story that WWE staff, and who knows what that means, is trying to, is threatening to kick out Raw people, people attending Raw if they have AEW shirts or signs, if they're like too close, if they're behind the ring, if they're on camera, basically, on the ramp or on the ring. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are flipping out about this. I feel like, you know, it may be, I mean, there's a point where you just got to let let things go, but like, that seems like a pretty normal thing to do, right? Am I crazy? Am I too much of a yeah. WWE homer? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it, you got to think about it like this, like in the NBA, they'll kick you out if you're wearing inappropriate clothes or bring inappropriate suit, uh, signs or anything like that. So that's, that's with any sporting league, if they feel like you're not, um, you know, if you're going to be on camera and you'll be showing things that aren't necessarily in the best interest of the company, they're not going to have you there. I mean, perfect examples right now, you know, with people having like free Hong Kong shirts, you know what I mean? In, in, in the, in the, in the crowd, like, do you want to kick those guys out and make a bigger stink about it? Or do you want to just leave them there and just pretend they don't exist? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of a catch 22. Like if I'm them, I just kind of let it rock. I mean, it's not going to do anything to harm you in the long run. Like they're just t-shirts. Like they're just they're just merchandise. Like it's not going to be like, oh my god, I don't think three million people are going to switch over to the to the competitor channel just because somebody wore a t-shirt in your camera shot. So they probably need to relax that a little bit. I totally agree. Well, we got to get out of here, man. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem, man. Anytime you need me, I'm always here. What do you want to plug on the way out the door? Jeez Louise. Uh, well, you can listen to Flagrant 2 every Tuesday and Friday on wherever you get your podcast. I got a new podcast in the New York Post. It's called Big Apple Buckets. It's a brand new uh, Nick-centric podcast. You can catch that every Tuesday. Um, you catch me on the thread for SNY every Tuesday and Thursday. And um, for all the New York, New Jersey, Tri-State folks, Duce Palooza next week in Atlanta, Masquerade. And then um, the Palladium in Los Angeles, November 9th. Wow. That's a lot hey, of folks. stuff. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this, man. Guys, uh, thank you for listening. Your hope spot of the week is Montez Ford holding a baby. Apologies, as always, to Johnny Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, Humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on The Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Mass Man Show. 